0: I don't believe in no one's scenarios. Data, 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 I cannot make bricks without clay. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. Hello and welcome to a very special Cheeky Scientist radio show. I'm your host, Isaiah Hinkle, PhD, and we have a very special show here It's going to help you reframe your PhD experiences, your PhD skills, so that you can un- uh, you can avoid unemployment during the recession that we are now in if you're looking to get hired you can't apply the same methodology that you were applying in january things have changed dramatically worldwide no matter what country you are in uh, what employers are looking for now is very different than january and we're going to unpack this and tell you exactly what you can do uh, to avoid unemployment to pivot so you can either stay hired or get hired onto your first or next industry job. We're going to talk specifically about the skills that you need to discuss on your resume, on your LinkedIn profile. Now, using the language that we call the recession language, the, the language that employers are looking for during times when they're trying to reduce risk, where growth innovation is less on their mind. Still on their mind, of course, but it's less of a priority as reducing risk, hiring a candidate who can be flexible, um, hiring somebody who is the most certain choice. So, what are the skills you need to discuss? We're going to talk about the skills specifically, and we're going to break them down into three different categories. There are three different categories of skills that you need to uh, know and use and address on your resumes, on your LinkedIn profiles, and certainly beyond that, on phone screens, video interviews and all the way through to getting your job offer. Um, Beyond that, you also need to include properly placed content on your resume and LinkedIn profile, so you're not doing what we call a cheeky scientist of of burying the lead, the most important things that employers care about right now, in this moment, in this context. Uh, This includes specific skills that you want to put at the very beginning of every bullet point on your resume. We're gonna give you these examples, so stay tuned. Finally, when you get a phone screen, so if your resume and your LinkedIn profile is communicating uh, your experiences, your skills properly, framed for the recession, not framed for back in January or before when hiring was much higher, um, then you'll get a phone screen. What do you say on the phone screen? What do you say to give the employer that initial gatekeeper, the hiring manager, the person in HR that doesn't have a PhD, no technical knowledge? What can you say? How do you start the sentence? What are the exact words that you need to say on those phone screens? Now that we're in a recession, I'm going to tell you exactly what to say. We have a lot to cover, and I'm very excited to start digging into this with you. Recently, I was talking to uh, one of our partners, a cheeky scientist uh, from Intel, and another from Pfizer, and they both told me the exact same thing. Employers have ratcheted down their hiring for many different positions, but many of the PhD-level positions are surging. And this is not a big surprise. It's not a big surprise to me. Uh, we follow a lot of different re- reports in the job market, in the job search industry. Um, in particular, we look at those from Mass Bio, other hotspots in terms of the number of PhDs in a particular city, a particular state or province. Um, we look at this data from over a hundred different countries. And what we've seen over the last couple of decades is that in terms of raw number job growth, as in The total raw number increasing, not just jobs and careers shifting from one country to another, right? So over the last couple of decades, a lot of manufacturing jobs, for example, have shifted from one country to another. Um, So if it shifts from country A to country B, the numbers are going to show country B that manufacturing jobs are going up, uh, while in country A, they're going down. However, the total raw number of manufacturing jobs has stayed the same. That's what's been happening to most jobs worldwide for a couple of decades, except those that require two things, two PhD-level skills that are incredibly valuable that we're going to talk about today over and over again. Um, and I've been talking about them for months, uh, ever since McKinsey & Company released this crucial report uh, that told that the job market, before the pandemic, the job market had a 20% deficit uh, for people who can do two things, research and analysis, that's all of you, that's every single PhD, whether your background is the life sciences, physical sciences, engineering, social sciences, humanities, does not matter. Whether it's whether you're researching information and or data or analyzing information and or data, that makes you valuable. There's a deficit for people who can do what you can do. And because we're surrounded by PhDs in academia, who, who can do this, we forget that only 1.6% of the population has a PhD. Only 1.6% of the population has been trained at the, the level to be able to properly research information and data to know whether or not it's credible, to know like what a sample size is, a p-value, outliers, to be able to know if a, a source is even credible, to be able to analyze data properly. And again, and I say again, because we've been talking about this for weeks, we are seeing at the world stage, the value of being able to research and analyze data and or information properly. Uh, This trend of you being incredibly valuable is not going away, but you're going to have to pivot. You're going to have to get out of your academic mindset and have an industry mindset. You're going to have to stop doing things the way an academic PhD would and focusing on what's important to an academic audience. Instead, focus on what's important to an industry audience For this specific context, the recession that we are in. So these partners at Intel and Pfizer, what they're telling us is that we want to hire the safe candidate. Okay, so back in January, when hiring was through the roof before January, right? we were experiencing a hiring boom in many countries worldwide. The overall raw numbers of jobs created were at the highest level they've been in decades. PhD hiring was up over 500%. What does this mean? It means that employers were in a very growth-oriented mindset on that spectrum of pain and pleasure. They were going after pleasure because times were good. Now, they have a scarcity mindset, just like many of us do one way or another, right? Whether you're you're stockpiling food or you went through that phase where you're getting paper towels, uh, you understand what I'm talking about. You're driven right now to avoid pain. Employers are too. How do they do that? By managing risk, by mitigating risk. By making sure that if they're going to pursue a job candidate, they're going after the safest one, the one who can do whatever they need them to do, whenever they need them to do it, and who's going to accept the job offer and who's not, you know, for example, on the fence of whether or not they want an industry job. They're going to be asking questions, very specific questions to sniff out if you're the safest choice. They're going to be asking very specific questions to see if you're 100% certain that you want this exact job at this exact company and that you're never going to go back to academia. So how do you present that kind of certainty? How do you have to change your language? How do you have to change what you put on a resume or your LinkedIn profile? That's what we are going to discuss today. And we're going to start by talking about the three different categories of transferable skills that most PhDs do not know about. There's three different categories. And within those categories, we're going to specifically focus on the the ones that frame your candidacy in terms of skills uh, as reducing risk, as being what's needed now during a recession. So the first category of these transferable skills, and just to back up for a second, a transferable skill, it's a non-technical skill. Uh, it's a skill that might sound simple to you as a PhD. It might be as simple as time management. and therefore as a PhD, you think, well, this isn't com- complex or complicated. it doesn't sound intelligent enough to put on a resume, but it's the skill that you must it's the skills you must have on your resume because the initial gatekeepers to see your resumes, your LinkedIn profiles don't have PhDs. Their, their concern is not that you have technical skills. They know you do. You have a PhD. They know if you don't have the technical skill they need, that you can learn the technical skill. Their concern, right? Imagine you work in as a hiring manager. Imagine you got your bachelor's degree in something related to human resources, something related to organizational behavior, perhaps, uh, something related to uh, corporate culture, your job is to hire a candidate, and that's why you're on the front lines of hiring, is to hire a candidate who's not going to disrupt the current team or the current team's activities. A candidate who's going to fit into the company culture, and if you don't hire somebody who's a good fit, your job is in question. Okay, and This is why it's so important for you to put your transferable skills on your resume, put them up front to not bury the lead, put them at the beginning of your resume bullet points, put them in strategic positions on your LinkedIn profile. So the three categories are people-oriented transferable skills, systems-oriented transferable skills, and self-oriented transferable skills. All three of those are important. In practical terms, it means you can work with people. What are the skills that show that, and how do you frame it for the recession uh, that you can work with systems, the process. A big part of company culture is the process, right? How do people communicate at that company? Do they use a a software program, like an instant messenger type program? Do they use email? Do they call each other between offices? Is it an office space where everything is glass because they want to symbolize transparency? Do people work in cubicles, right? How do things get done? And how do you show that you understand systems, which you do because you have a PhD and you work with methodologies, protocols, lesson plans? Um, and you've done so at a very high level for a very long time. And then third, self-oriented. Things like initiative. Are you a self-starter? This is highly valuable in industry. Often as PhDs, we hear horror stories of, they didn't hire me because I was too independent. Or you know, they don't want to hire a PhD because PhDs, you know, they, they're, they can get stuff done on their own. They're not team players. That's not true. Uh, times have changed. Employers want to hire people who they don't have to push to work hard. People who, are, who have initiative, especially in a remote environment like we're facing during the pandemic, even after the pandemic, they want to know that if you have to work remotely, um, you're able to. Uh, you're not going to sleep all day. You're not going to take, you know, take a nap, watch TV, and maybe work for one hour. They don't have to watch you. They know that you like to work. And as a PhD, maybe you've never realized this, the fact that you like to work, it's very rare in the world. Okay, so let's break down these three categories of transferable skills, people-oriented transferable skills. An example, a simple example of a people-oriented transferable skill uh, would be cross-functional collaboration. Cross-functional just means you're able to get things done with people that you don't have authority over, right? People in lateral positions. All of you have this because as PhD students or postdocs, TAs, you didn't really have authority over anyone, so you had to get things done despite that. Um, task delegation. Notice how these are industry keywords. These are important to say. Now, how can you frame this for the recession, for today, for what's topical in an employer's mind? Virtual cross-functional collaboration. Put that on your resume, your LinkedIn profile. Virtual task delegation. Virtual training. I cannot believe how few PhDs have actually updated their resume and their LinkedIn profile since the pandemic. I mean, this is a, a once in a hundred year thing that has happened and you haven't even changed your resume or your LinkedIn profile because of it you need to change it if you can't even address the current situation if you haven't even adapted the tone right if your your resume or LinkedIn profile is coming across as tone deaf to the current times they're not even going to give it a second look so talking about your ability to collaborate virtually um, uh, your ability to train virtually to delegate virtually Chain of communication, chain of virtual communication, right? If you can update that by adding the word vir- virtual, it'll go a long way. Other things you that you must include on your resume today during a recession, flexibility, versatility. They want to know that if they give you a job offer, A, you're going to accept it. And B, if they need you to wear multiple hap- hats, if they need you to jump in to a, a role because they're short in terms of staff because of the recession, that you will do it. And discussing this in terms of your flexibility, your versatility, your your ability to learn things quickly on your resume, uh, which you can say by speed of learning or information processing. As PhDs, you can process information faster than anyone. Um, And and then you use, use the actual word flexibility, adaptability, or versatility um use those on your resume and your LinkedIn profile right now because that's what they're looking for. Yes, they want certainty that you want that specific role, but they want to know that you are versatile. If they need you to jump in and, you know, edit a technical white paper because of your PhD background and they're short staffed in their medical writing department perhaps, they want to know that you can do it. Project management. This is one of those skills that's also a job title, but having it on your resume, your LinkedIn profile right now will really help you get hired during a recession because a lot of companies uh, look for look to everyone to have extra skill sets in terms of coordination and communication and teamwork because their teams get smaller so every person's every person turns into a project manager change management this this is a pro tip right here put change management on your resume on your linkedin profile show that you understand what change management is you've all dealt with change management Ch- change management can be as simple as adjusting to a change in the lab of having to change your lab space, have to use use a different computer, have have to you know maybe you had an instrument breakdown and you had to use another instrument. That's change management, and of course, right now when companies are experiencing a lot of change, they want to know that you can handle change. The second category is systems oriented uh, transferable skills, and this is a category that I think that most PhDs do not utilize enough. As a PhD, you have lived and breathed methodologies, protocols, uh, lesson plans. You understand the power of perfecting a process. And systems in business, they allow businesses to scale. The only way a company can get bigger is if they have a scalable system. You can't have one person uh, doing one task forever and expect to grow. You have to eventually automate that task. You have to simplify it. You have to make sure that that task... Can be given to anybody else if it changes hands and be done in the exact same way, right? Academia overall understands this, but there are limitations, and because of the reproducibility crisis in academia right now, where most of the experiments that are done in one lab cannot be repeated, and by most I mean, depending on what publication you look at, above eighty or ninety percent, uh, that's most. Most experiments cannot be replicated in a separate lab. That just shows the importance of systems, of protocols, of of reproducibility, and employers want to know that, and so you can put reproducibility on your resume, and it will really stand out because, again, it goes to the idea of reducing risk. If something's reproducible, scalable, right, scalability is a good transferable skill in this category to mention as well, Um, but I want you to focus most importantly, I want you to focus on these two. They're very similar, but I want you to put these on your resume and your LinkedIn profile. You will stand out from all other job candidates during a recession if you put risk management and or risk mitigation on your resume and LinkedIn profile. And you've done this, right? You're you're managing risk. Don't hide from the thing that they care about the most right now. They want to know that you can reduce risk, that if you come in, you can and you work on a project that you can make sure that at least in part, that that project will stay on budget, that that project will be done on time, um, that you will follow the rules and regulations. That's why regulatory acumen is another important transferable skill uh, in this category. Financial acumen, which can just mean that you understand how ordering works. Maybe it's ordering of a software program or an antibody for your lab or, or a teaching material for your classroom. If you've ever been involved in that, you can use that as an example. Another key skill in this category is return on investments, ROI. Do you think during a recession that companies are going to care more or less about the return on any investment they make in terms of their resources? Whether those resources are time or money or personnel, they are going to be watching carefully the return on investment because they're not going to have the margin that they used to, right? When times are good, margins get fatter. The margin being you know, how much a company makes versus how much they spend. So they're going to be watching those closely. They're going to be looking to cut costs. They're going to be looking at return on investments closely. So put return on investments on your resume and or LinkedIn profile. The third category is self-oriented transferable skills. Number one, I want this on all of your resumes, all of your LinkedIn profiles. It's just assumed as a PhD that everybody has this skill because you're surrounded by other PhDs who have this skill. But not everybody has it. Not even close. Work ethic. Work ethic. Uh, initiative is another great way to say it. You are a self-starter. You can get things done. You work harder and better than anybody else in the world. Most people are very lazy. Does that sound harsh? I'm sorry, but it's true. Most people compared to PhDs don't like to work. It's a fact. Look at some of the data out there. Like you have to come out of your little bubble, right? As academics or PhDs, we tend to be kind of insulated and we just think, oh, everybody knows how to analyze data or information. Everybody knows how to do research, right? Everybody, everybody reads books or likes to read or, or can read uh, very complex information. Not true. If you look at some of the data in terms of how many people read a full book after high school or secondary school, it will shock you. I think it's like, of the population, as in for the rest of their life. Same is true with work ethic. You can do a much greater volume of work at a much higher quality than anybody else in the world. State that on your resume and LinkedIn profile. Completeness, what a great skill. Sounds so simple. Such a great skill for a recession, though. They want to know that you can complete a project. Companies are trying to get rid of waste right now. One of the biggest sources of waste in industry and I heard this from our, our Pfizer partner specifically is undone projects, right? Projects that get started and just sit there. It's wasteful for a variety of reasons, not just the time and money and personnel that have gone into it, but the time, money, and personnel that go into just maintaining it, just having it there for like data storage or whatever it might be. Completeness, what a great skill to mention. These next two, crucial as well stress management. When they hire you, they're going to, Ask you more behavioral questions during a recession than they would uh, when there's a hiring boom. And that's because they want to know that you can handle tough times. You can handle stress. You can handle tough decisions. You can handle pivoting. You can handle being flexible or having a larger workload than you might normally have or fluctuation in your workload. Um, Make sure you put stress management on both your professional profiles. And then finally, technical literacy. Every one of you as a PhD has technical literacy. This just means it doesn't have to be t- specifically you know, like the specs of a computer and engineering or, or, or even the hard sciences. Just the fact that you can write and edit and proofread uh, high level information. You have a greater vocabulary. Technical literacy is a great way to sum all of that up. Okay, so I'm gonna go through some of the highlights here. Some of them I mentioned already in these three categories. Obviously, there are dozens of other skills um, that would fall under these different categories, Uh, but I want to highlight some of the ones that I highly recommend no matter what position you're trying to get into right now. If you're trying to get hired during this recession, you're trying to keep your job during this recession. Here are some skills to highlight that you already have, that you already gained during your PhD. Um, Some of them I mentioned already. I'm not going to hide, I'm not going to only mention ones that haven't been said, I'm not going to bury the lead. Instead, I'm going to start with the first one, project management. A great way to make yourself more valuable, no matter what position you get into, is to showcase your ability to manage projects in terms of time, in terms of b- uh, budgets, financial budgets, in terms of resourcing, the human resources involved, right? the people that you coordinate with uh, cross-functionally or otherwise, and then in terms of the overall scope of the projects, being able to hit milestones. Right? So, Really, it's a combination of, of those three things, time budgets, and milestones. That makes up the scope of a project. Technical literacy, which I just mentioned, is so crucial. Every single PhD can get into a writing and editing role in industry, and those jobs are surging right now. Uh, Medical writing is an umbrella term for 20-plus different types of writing, editing jobs, whether it's copywriting or content writing, copy editing or or content editing. All of you as PhDs, no matter your background, can get into this, and it's a great safety net. So make sure you put technical literacy because every position is going to require more writing, especially while we're working more remotely. People are going to communicate through the written word and the spoken word, uh, content in general, vocabulary in general becomes more valuable. Don't, again don't bury the lead, research and data analysis, right? I mentioned that at the beginning. Those two, crucial to say, to actually state on your resume, your LinkedIn profiles, to actually discuss during the job search process. You can research information. You can evaluate it for credibility. You know that you have a high-level training here where, where other people don't. Most people will see something online and they just think it's fact. There's a an information war of sorts going on right now where People don't know what's credible. They don't know what to believe. But if it comes from a PhD, it's automatically more credible. Employers know this and it makes you valuable. Analysis, right? Your ability to process the information that you've researched, your ability to go through it and to evaluate it based on uh, statistical models, things that you don't even realize that you do that other people don't know how to do. You know, the, the fact that you're Asking yourself, well, what's the end value here? What's the context? What are the variables? The the scientific method that all PhDs, whether you're STEM or non STEM, know how to do. Flexibility, I want to reiterate that one. Work ethic, I didn't talk about these two. These are the last two focus and autonomy. People are more distracted now than they have been in a long time. I mean, think about how distracting the media and the news has been. Um, Everybody's concerned for their safety. Things have been changing extremely rapidly. The last Few weeks have felt like years because things have changed so quickly, because so much adaptation in lifestyle, uh, in, in career, so much waiting, uh, so much change has, has made it seem this way. So, your ability, ability to stay focused and to actually execute on the job to get things done is crucial. Sounds simple, but not having these simple transferable skills is a red flag to employers during a recession. And then, autonomy. Don't hide from the fact that you can get things done on your own, whether you want to say autonomy or a self-starter initiative. I want to come back to that because it's so important. It's not a weakness as a PhD. It's a strength. Okay. So how about some practical examples? You're designing your resume. You're rewriting it for the recession. You have a lot of time to do it. You should definitely be doing it right after this show. Your LinkedIn profile, same thing. What are some examples of how you might start a particular bullet point on your resume or a sentence on your LinkedIn profile. Now, if you want some of our resume templates, you can go to our website, cheekyscientist.com. On the homepage, there'll be a little orange drop-down where you can get one of our resumes. Uh, if you join our association, which is our flagship program, the Cheeky Scientist Association, you'll get access to 10,000 plus PhDs in industry who can give you job referrals, who can help you get trained on this along with our team. You'll get access to our training dashboard with hundreds of training videos, dozens of courses on every aspect of training, and all of our resume and LinkedIn templates and unlimited resume reviews and edits and unlimited LinkedIn reviews and edits. But here, we're going to talk about some specific examples for what you would put into the bullet point on those resume templates or on those LinkedIn templates. Number one, and this is how you would start it, professional awareness and expertise in XYZ. So professional awareness is the transferable skill. So when we talk about how to structure your bullet points, your sentences on, on LinkedIn or those work experience sections on um, in both your resume and on LinkedIn, you want to start with a transferable skill and end with a quantified result. So you start with a transferable skill and you end with a quantified re- result. This is our proprietary three-part bullet point methodology. And maybe if you've listened to some of our shows in the past, gone to some of our webinars, you know this methodology. Uh, What holds up a lot of PhDs is we have a little bit of imposter syndrome, and we think, well, I I don't have any results. We think I don't have any transferable skills, but you do, right? Obviously, you have some professional awareness. It showcases that you're aware of yourself. You're aware of current trends. um, And this is important because it reduces risk. The worst thing that an employer can do right now is hire somebody who is not professionally aware. That's why it's so important for you to update your resume and your LinkedIn profile when big things happen, like a pandemic. It shows professional awareness. Don't just show it though. Say it. Professional awareness. And then you would say expertise in a technical skill. That's the third part of the bullet point, the middle part that sandwiches together the transferable skill with the quantified result. It's your technical expertise, right? So an example, uh, you know, might be, I have um, professional awareness and expertise in micro RNA, Uh, technology uh, resulting in uh, three publications, including a nature publication. We can go into this in a future show, but for now, professional awareness, start a bullet point or a sentence with that. Second example, risk mitigation skills. That's all you have to say. That will really stand out because in the mind of every employer is reducing risk. So say risk mitigation skills. And then you would say again, risk mitigation skills and experience doing ABC technical skill resulting in Two cross-functional collaborations and you know 1.5 million in grant funding, uh, the funding that your lab is a part of, or your your PI, your classroom, your professor. It could also be other results. If you're thinking right now, again, I don't have any results. You can quantify publications, presentations, collaborations, methodologies, systems optimized and/or innovated methodologies, protocols, systems, lesson plans. Those are results. Number of discoveries number of patents number of grants number of grant funding another another key transferable skill to put at the start of a bullet point or sentence on your resume or LinkedIn profile respectively industry understanding or uh, current industry trend trends either way you're showing that you understand industry and that you stay up to date with current industry trends it just further eliminates the concern that an employer has that you're an academic PhD that you don't, you can't even stay on top of industry. You don't understand industry. There was a big uh, survey that went out to hundreds of employers. I th- I believe it was done by Dow chemical asking, what is the skill that you really want all people with high level technical degrees to have that they usually don't have? Number one was industry understanding sounds so basic, right? What does it even mean? I don't know, but just say it on your resume. The fact that you've looked into a particular industry shows industry understanding. The fact that you can stay up to date with current industry trends. Go to Fierce Biotech or or Fierce Pharma, uh, different media online, and you can start to see what's happening in the industries that you're interested in, the industry sectors you're interested in. A few more examples we'll go through a bit more quickly here. Project management skills. Again, don't overthink it. Just say it up front. Project management skills and expertise in ABC resulting in XYZ quantified result. Even better, remote project management skills, virtual project management skills, virtual leadership skills, virtual training skills, virtual collaboration skills, and expertise in XYZ transferable skill resulting in ABC quantified result. And then finally, research and analysis skills. I would lead with that in your professional summary. Research and analysis skills um, and expertise in ABC as demonstrated by this quantified result. So let's say you update your resume, you update your LinkedIn profile, you target jobs that are surging right now for PhDs, which we will cover in a future radio show podcast. You get a callback from an employer. You have a phone screen set up. Maybe, Maybe they jump right to a video interview. Either way, what do you need to say to further reduce risk in the employer's mind? How can you give them the certainty that they're craving right now? And unfortunately, many PhDs are horrible at this. Why? Because academia teaches us to never show certainty. Certainty can be a weakness, right? It shows confirmation bias. Not only that, but we're taught not to show enthusiasm or emotion. So those two things, we're, show, we're, show, uh, we're taught in academia to never show certainty, because again, it shows confirmation bias. And then we're taught never to show enthusiasm. Or emotion because it shows that you are emotional and you're not evaluating things logically. Unfortunately, these two things are crucial to getting hired in industry, right? Because if you can't be enthusiastic about a job on a phone screen, what does the employer think is going to happen to you one year into the job? You can't even be enthusiastic before you, st- before you start. What are they going to think? They're like, oh man, this person, you know, I feel like they need to take a nap right now. I can't even get this person excited about the role right now. What's going to happen in a year? Right? They won't even stay with us for a year. They're gonna be so bored. That's what they're thinking. And what does that what does that do to the employer's mind? Alarm bells, risk, too much uncertainty. And they're dealing with enough uncertainty right now, just like the rest of the world is. So the way that you can be that bright spot for an employer is to give them the certainty that they're craving. And you do this through specific language. And I'm gonna give you some specific examples here, but you also give it through enthusiasm. Now, not you know, over-the-top rah-rah enthusiasm, but engagement showing them that you are looking forward to that job that this is the number one job position of your of your choice this is your number one choice job position your number one choice company to work for for xyz reason now a lot of uh, phd's are are purists right they're like well what if it's not my number one choice you know what if there are other jobs that i'm interested in every Position that you apply to, every company can be your number one choice for a different reason. Okay, so find out whatever the number one pro to working at that company is, whatever the number one thing that that company has going for it, and that position specifically, and make that the reason that that company is your number one choice. This company is my number one choice because of XYZ reason. Okay, so you're just prioritizing whatever makes that company the best, and you're using that as your rationale. Now, I'm going to give you seven key things to say during a phone screen or whatever that first live interaction is with an employer. It could be a a video interview, uh, a virtual interview of any kind, audio only, video only, whatever it is. Whenever you talk to an employer, uh, I want you to say these seven things. No matter what question they ask you, somewhere along the way, you'll have the chance to say at least two, three, four of these things. And this is specifically how I want you to start the sentence. It's impossible to get any more practical than this. Make sure you pay attention, write this down, listen to it again, uh, but if you say these things, they will hire you and certainly be more likely to hire you during a recession. The first one, I'm the safest choice because. I'm the safest choice because. Crucial, just flat out tell them as PhD sometimes we Overthink things. We think, well, I don't want them to know that I'm trying to let them know that I'm the safest choice. Yes, you do. It's not hidden. They're hoping that you'll just say this. It'll be such a relief for them if you just come out and say this. Now, they're not going to ask you specifically, or very very unlikely, um, tell me how you're the safest choice, or tell me, are you the safest choice for this job? No, they're not going to say that, right? They might ask you another question about something from your resume. Say, well, on your resume, you mentioned this. Or they might say, do you have any questions for me? Or do you have any final thoughts? Um, they might say, you know, why, would, why should we hire you? And this is a common question. Why should we hire you over another job candidate? You should hire me because I'm the safest choice. Why am I the safest choice? I'm the safest choice because I have been trained in risk management and change management. It's something that I've dealt with frequently uh, in the lab or in the classroom or during my PhD. Find a way to talk about how you're the safest choice. Uh, and safe, in this sense, is not a bad thing, right? If you frame it in terms of risk mitigation, change management, et cetera, many of the things we talked about, this is going to stick out to them. Number two, I'm a very fast and thorough learner, and I do not make critical mistakes. Write that down. I'm a very fast and thorough learner, right? So automatically, you're relieving, right, or you're combating any objection they might have mentally. As you go through this statement, you're a very fast learner. What the, what's the objection going to be? Okay, you're fast, but you obviously, you're not thorough or it's not, you're not learning at a high quality, in a high quality manner. They might have a lingering question there, but as a PhD, they're going to give you a lot of leeway. If you do something fast, they're going to assume it's high quality because you went on to get your PhD. And then you say, I do not make critical mistakes. Critical is the crucial word here. I love this response during a phone screen, uh, during interviews. You can say with confidence, I do not make critical mistakes. Now, you can't say with credibility, I don't make mistakes. Everybody does. But you don't make critical mistakes because you're thorough, because you learn faster and better than anybody else. Number three, I understand risk mitigation. You know, Why should we hire you over somebody else? What makes you a valuable candidate? Is there anything you have to add? Any questions? One thing I wanted to mention is that, is that I understand risk management and risk mitigation, which I know is very valuable uh, during this economic downturn. Number four, I can help ensure key milestones, budgets, and timelines are hit. Say all three of those things. Those are three concerns every employer has. Just come out and say that you understand those three components of a properly managed project. Number five, I can write, review, and edit technical information as needed. What I love about this is you're going to the heart of that skill that we talked about previously, technical literacy. No matter what position you're getting into, I promise you, there's going to be a documentation component. There's going to be a regulatory component. Um, Overall, just having somebody on board who can understand technical information, proof it, write it, edit it as needed. You're just saying, look, I have this skill because I'm a PhD. I can do this at a very high level, and I'm happy to offer these services even if it's not specifically required for this position. Because again, it's really required at some level for every position. Number six, this is very important. If given an offer, I will accept it. Tell them what they're dying to hear. Give them the certainty that if they extend an offer to you, you will accept it. Now, if you're concerned about, well, does that get get rid of my negotiation leverage? Simply say, if given a reasonable offer, I will accept it. If given a reasonable offer, I will accept it. So many of you are applying for jobs that you really want and you're just crushed when you don't get an offer, but you never told the employer that you would accept the offer. Tell them beforehand the offer is reasonable. I will accept it because this company is my first choice for XYZ reasons, like we talked about before. And that's the seventh and final example. This company is my first choice because. Give a rationale. Because is a very powerful word. And if you tell them, that they're your first choice. If you tell them that if you're given a reasonable offer, you'll accept it. If you provide yourself credibility, if you provide them with the, the credibility in terms of the skills, the experiences you have, if you frame it for what companies are going through now, if you frame it for the current recession in the ways that we discussed, you will come out of this hired in a job while others are unemployed. In closing, as a PhD, you have the skills, the experiences that are very valuable in industry right now, especially in a recession, your skills uh, of being able to manage risk, being able to change, being able to go through periods of uncertainty and create certainty through discovery. This is at the heart of what it means to be a PhD. Your ability to do research and analysis, to learn quickly, to learn quickly on the job makes you highly valuable, but it's up to you to communicate this value to employers using the words, the vocabulary, the transformational language that they want to receive. Consider your audience, update your resume, update your LinkedIn profiles, use this language now that we're in a recession and you will be hired. If you want to get hired quickly, if you want to get hired into one of the jobs that are surging right now for PhDs despite the recession, I highly recommend that you join the Cheeky Scientist association this is our flagship program it was born out of the recession that followed the 2008 financial crisis has helped more phd's get hired uh, than any other program it's specifically dedicated to helping phd's phd's only get hired into industry positions uh, it's been around for a decade now uh, and i've seen Lives change. PhDs avoid unemployment. I've seen them get hired through recessions, through hiring bur- booms, and to continue to get hired even through this pandemic because it's all about how you position yourself. It's all about your training, and it's all about your job referral network. Uh, in the association, you get access to over 10,000 PhDs in the industry who can refer you for industry positions. You get to stay up to date in real time uh, on what it takes to get hired now. You get to stay informed, topical. You get help. You get training. It's a living, breathing program, not just a course with a few videos that you purchase, and that's it. You get lifetime access to something that continues to have training videos, continues to have new members, continues to have tools uh, and tips added to it. All you have to do to join the Cheeky Scientist Association is go to phdsgethired.com, and you can use this special coupon code, CheekyRadio2020, that's Cheeky Radio 2020 to get 10% off right now. So it's cheekyradio A D I O two zero two zero Cheeky Radio 2020. Go to PhDs, get hired. That's P-H-D-S-G-E-T-H-I-R-E-D.com. As always, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional.